0: Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody, Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday and it is March the 16th, 2018. Where is the time going? Uh, I hope you've all had a terrific week. Certainly, it's been a crazy week, but that's nothing unusual. Uh, very glad to join you so that we can play the game of catch-up that we seem to do at the end of every wacky week. Uh, and there's no shortage of wacky. Those of you who are familiar with me know that I'm a retired senior special agent of what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, the INS, an agency that got sliced, diced, rearranged, uh, and cobbled together under what I came to call the Department of Homeland Surrender under the Bush administration. Uh, And this goes back to this whole issue that our immigration laws, the problems that we're having, is not a left-right issue but a right-wrong issue. Both parties, both parties, the leadership from both parties don't like America's borders. They say they do, but boy, oh, boy, they hate them because the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and all these other globalist special interest groups see in our borders not what they truly are. America's first and last line of defense, defense against transnational criminals, defense against international terrorists. Defense against those who might possibly be harboring dangerous diseases. Defense against foreign workers who are desperate to supplant American workers um, because the wages here, bad as they are, are better than the garbage they get in their home country. So they come to America, and people who tell you that this is about being compassionate are liars or fools. They have a choice. Uh, If you think exploitation is the way of demonstrating compassion, grow up, get a life. And if you somehow think it's compassionate to destroy America's middle class, then I don't even know that I have time to waste talking to you. This is what we have been witnessing for the longest time. American wages on the decline. More and more Americans displaced by foreign workers. And this is why when Donald Trump said he was going to run on the immigration issue, both political parties had a cow they freaked out. This is the last thing they wanted to hear. How many members of the United States Congress on both sides of the aisle are immigration attorneys, both sides of the aisle? Let's be blunt about it. Um, (laughs) The chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Bob Goodlatte, is an immigration lawyer. Zoe Lofgren used to chair the House Immigration Subcommittee, immigration lawyers. So understand the problem that we have. There is an immediate conflict of interest. If you're an immigration lawyer and you're writing immigration law, you have a conflict of interest. That's why comprehensive immigration reform would have paid the legal fees for illegal aliens if we were corrupt and stupid enough to pass comprehensive immigration reform. And DACA, frankly, is comprehensive immigration reform revisited through an illegal mechanism that now the president seems to be embracing, and it gives me great cause for pause. The idea of taking an unknown number of millions of illegal aliens and providing them with lawful status violates the rule of law, violates the letter of the law, violates common sense, and makes fools out of people who follow the law. It's as simple as that. And why were their legal fees supposed to be paid for under the comprehensive reform? And people say to me, oh, Mike Cutler, they're doing it to pander to the illegal aliens. Okay, grow up, folks. Grow up and think this through. What sense does it make to pander to the powerless? That's dopey. You don't pander to the powerless. The reason comprehensive immigration reform would have paid the legal fees for the illegal aliens is because the lawyers want to make certain that their friends who are immigration lawyers get paid. It's that simple. Illegal aliens tend to have no money. What couple of cents they have, they send out of our economy. It hurts us. It's all about the remittances flowing out of America by foreign workers, legal, illegal. We're losing tens of billions, perhaps hundreds of billions of dollars a year, leaving the economy permanently. The whole idea to the economic stimulus package was to put people to work by pumping money into the economy. But when people send money out of the country, imagine you're living in a drought. And water is expensive because it's relatively rare. And you have a swimming pool. So you the pool, it's in the middle of the summertime, and you can't wait to wake up in the morning after breakfast and have a nice dip in your pool. But somehow your pool sprung a leak. The drain was left open. And you get on the diving board and you look down and you see dry concrete. That's what happened to the economic stimulus package when foreign workers send their money home. This doesn't help the U.S. economy. It helps the banks. They're a moving company. They get a piece of the action. We move your money, and we charge you for it. It's like going to a moving company to move your furniture. The lawyers are happy because they're getting paid legal fees for dealing with the aliens who are here, both legally and illegally. Everybody's making out like a bandit except the average American citizen. Let's be blunt about this. I have no more patience to fool around with the stupidity that we're witnessing. You have Nancy Pelosi vilifying ICE agents. I spent 30 years of my life, my adult life, working for the INS, 26 years uh, with the INS as an agent, similar to what the ICE agents are doing today. Uh, I have nothing but the utmost respect for those men and women who put their lives on the line arresting dangerous criminals and terrorists. The second largest contingent of law enforcement officers assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force are immigration agents. Miss Pelosi, are those the cowards you're talking about? The people that crash through the doors and take guns off the street and arrest people wanted for murder and rape and child molestation and drug trafficking? Are those the cowards you're talking about, Pelosi? What a fright face that woman has. I saw her in person. I swear to God, she puts makeup on with a trowel. And maybe I'm being unkind and nasty. But when you insult men and women who, not unlike the men and women of the armed forces, put themselves in harm's way to protect her sorry rear end and her family, along with all other Americans. I want to know how the hell she can call those people cowardly. I really want to know what the hell she's thinking, if she's capable of thinking. The same woman who stood there and said on the floor of the House of Representatives that DACA aliens, illegal aliens, were the best of the best of the best of the best. What do we know about DACA aliens? Bupkis. There have been no interviews. There have been no field investigations. All we do know is that they entered the United States illegally. And that makes them, in Pelosi world, the best of the best of the best of the best. So according to Pelosi, if you got a green card legally, if you came here according to law, you're an imbecile. You're a fool. And if you're an American citizen, you're a sucker. That's what Pelosi believes. I have nothing but abject disregard for that woman. She is vile and despicable, and infuriating, and as anti-American as they get. As anti-American as they get. You know, this nonsense that if you favor effective immigration law enforcement, you're anti-immigrant, those lies and that nonsense has to be laid to rest for once and for all. I was an immigration inspector for the first four years of my career, and let me tell you something. It was a pleasure to admit people into the country who were coming here for the right reasons, and clearly, were coming to be in accordance with our laws. I had the privilege of admitting refugees who were coming here in the 70s uh, fleeing persecution. I have no problem with refugees. I have no problem with tourists. I have no problem with people coming here from any country on the planet, provided we can screen them, provided they don't pose a threat to America's future and the future of our citizens and our children. If we don't know who you are and we can't determine who you are, we are damn fools for letting you in. You look through your peephole before you admit a stranger into your home. You'd be a damn idiot if you didn't. That's why when people knock on the door, and I don't care what language or what country, customarily we have knock-knock jokes, because the idea is people knock on the door, you say who's there, they tell you who they are, and you decide whether or not to let them in. That's what immigration is about. And our legal system is the most generous in the world, and it's, unfortunately, one of the least secure. How do I say that? Well, nearly half of all illegal aliens were admitted into the United States. Clearly, there's a problem with the legal system that needs to be tightened up, not because of race, religion, or ethnicity, but because of failures of security. We've had naturalized citizens go on to commit terror crimes after we gave them citizenship. Statistics provided by the Justice Department a couple of weeks ago said that I think it was up to the year 2016, looking back since 9-11, 148 naturalized citizens were subsequently uh, subsequently prosecuted for terrorism-related crimes. So clearly there are holes in that system that need to be plugged, not because of race, religion, or ethnicity, but because of national security and public safety. But to turn around and say, well, if you're in favor of enforcing the immigration laws your anti immigrant is a big fat lie, and it's getting agents hurt. And that lout, that mayor from Oakland, and, and the nonsense with Moonbeam, you know, the governor of California, talking about immigration agents in such a derisive fashion. The work of immigration is a follow on to the work of our armed forces of the United States. I want you to think about that. That I know that if Pelosi's listening, and I doubt it, she's incapable of thinking anyway, or she never would say the things that she says. To stand on the floor of the House of Representatives. And she knows it's being recorded. She can't deny that those words fell out of her mouth. My rage is, un- <laughs> it's just unbearable. I've seen so many agents get badly injured. I've gotten hurt on the job. We've all gotten banged up. Some of the guys I work with, Um, wound up getting crippled this is a dangerous job the role of the military all five branches is to keep america's enemies as far from our shores as possible but some get through and during the second world war we saw where nazi saboteurs came to america on u-boats the terrorists who attacked us in 1993 at the cia and the first trade center bombing. The 9-11 hijackers, the Boston Marathon bombers, all of those terrorists, they didn't come on U-boats, they came on airliners. That's why the president is making a mistake by putting too much emphasis on the Mexican border. Don't get me wrong. That damn wall has to be built. This isn't a question. It's not an either or. It's not an either or. But you need to secure all means of entry into the United States to prevent terror attacks. Don't take my word for it. Go read what the 9-11 Commission had to say. Border security is national security. So when our military is unable to stop the terrorists overseas, they come here. That task of keeping them out or rounding them up once they get here falls to the immigration elements of the Department of Homeland Security. You need to look at the hearing. When I testified in March of 2002 when it was discovered to everyone's horror that two of the dead dirtbags who attacked us on 9-11, Mohammed Atta, the ringleader, And one of his cohorts, Marwan el Shahi, had been granted authorization to attend flight school, of all things, six months after 9-11, flight school, March of 2002. And at the hearing, everyone was in agreement. When people come here, we don't know who they are. we got to round them up. No one should be able to get in. No one should be able to walking around our streets. They pose a threat. They're dangerous. Chuck Schumer has said people who trespass on critical infrastructure, people who trespass on um, national landmarks that should be a violation of federal law we need a five-year jail sentence because otherwise we're not going to deter these people he even talked about a 16-year-old kid who climbed the new world trade center tower while it was under construction to take a selfie and schumer was clear about it go to his website unless he's taking it down people need to be looking at five years at a federal jail okay same chuck schumer what does he say about illegal aliens who trespass on america Oh, we need them. Give them citizenship. We don't know who they are. We can't verify when they came here. We don't know who their backgrounds are or their affiliations, but let's give them citizenship. But if you trespass on the Brooklyn Bridge or you trespass at the World Trade Center, off to jail you go. But trespass on America, climb across that fence in the middle of the night, oh, we're going to make you a citizen. Now, understand, we make it probably easier than any other country on the planet to immigrate to the United States. We admit more lawful immigrants than the rest of the world combined. One million, approximately. We naturalize hundreds of thousands of new citizens every year, but that's not enough for Chuck. Chuck says, oh, no, 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 no. If you run the border, we're going to make you a citizen. And now it looks like uh, Mr. Trump might be thinking along those lines, and I hope he stops and reconsiders the thought process. There was an article in Breitbart that he's willing to give citizenship to all the DACA aliens as long as he gets his fence. And if he does that, it would be catastrophic. There will be no interviews. There will be no field investigations. Donald Trump was right when he talked about keeping out aliens who cannot be vetted. There is no reliable vetting process for millions of aliens who came into our country surreptitiously. They evaded the inspections process for a reason because they know that they belong to one or more classes of excludable aliens. And what are the categories for exclusion? It has nothing to do with race, nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with ethnicity. I know like Governor Cuomo likes to get in front of the Latino groups and say, oh, this is all about Latinos. No, it's not, Mr. Governor. I spent years where I didn't interview or arrest a single Spanish-speaking person. Period. I was investigating the Jamaican drug pussies. I was working with the FBI on Asian organized crime. I locked up more Israeli criminals in New York probably than any other uh, agent at the New York field office. And please don't tell me I'm anti-Semitic. I'm Jewish and I was the B'nai B'rith president back in college. It's that they were law violators. Some of the people I arrested were wanted for murder in other countries and rape and drug trafficking and robbery. Do you want them here? For all the ranting and raving about guns, how many of those criminal aliens used firearms in the commission of their crimes? Think of how many guns I've taken off the street that were in the possession of illegal aliens. And we're going to shield these people from detection by ICE. But there's something else that needs to be said about the notion of arresting illegal aliens. When, quote, unquote, they don't have any criminal history. First of all, we don't know if they have a criminal history. They snuck in, and very often they come from countries where it's hard or maybe impossible to know about their criminal histories. But we do know that they're here in violation of laws that are designed to protect us. Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1182. You can look it up. Go to my website, michaelcutler.net. Go to frontpagemag.com, FrontPage Magazine. I write my articles there. I write for the social contract. Newsmax has some of my pieces up. You can see this. Or just go to the internet. Look it up. Title 8, United States Code, Section 1182, Categories of Inadmissible Aliens. Aliens to be excluded from the United States. Aliens with dangerous communicable diseases. Aliens who are severely mentally ill. Let's remember that Ellis Island was a quarantine station. Aliens who are criminals. Spies. Terrorists. Human rights violators. War criminals. Fugitives from justice. Prior deportees, and then we get to aliens who would likely become a public charge. They could not support themselves if they're coming temporarily, which means they will probably work or commit crime to support themselves. Or aliens who are not entitled to work in America, but if they did, would displace Americans who are similarly employed or at the very least drive down wages and working conditions by creating unfair competition. And in fact, to that point, the Dallas Morning News just published a report that because the Trump administration is enforcing the immigration laws you know, more effectively than Mr. Obama, anybody would be enforcing those laws more effectively than Mr. Obama. The number of quote-unquote migrant workers is down in the construction trades, so houses are more expensive. They're having to pay their workers more money because they're not illegally present in the United States. And if you're an American and you don't want to pay a reasonable wage to an American citizen worker or a lawful immigrant worker, then you're a bum. You're a bum. When we talk about creating jobs for Americans, it means probably they're going to get more money than an illegal alien, as it should be. The appeal of hiring the illegal alien is they bring with themselves from those third-world countries third-world expectations of wages and working conditions. So they make bupkis, and we wind up subsidizing them, and they wind up sending a good chunk of whatever money they can scrape together back to their home country. They're acting rationally. I'm not angry with the people that come to work illegally. Really, I'm not. They're desperate people. But what we're doing is propping up the oligarchies of Mexico and other countries that see in their people, not citizens, but an export, an export. We're exporting workers, you know, we're not exporting televisions, we're not exporting, you know, whatever, we're exporting our people and they're going to send money home. And this is simply about breaking up families because those families are so desperate that the only way they can get by is if their family members come to America, get treated worse than, than animals, get exploited, get injured, whatever. See, it's, it's, there's no morality to this. this is, our country has become the country that knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. I'm dying to find out what corners were cut when that bridge went up and just collapsed yesterday in Florida. We know the price of everything and the value of nothing. It worries me. We've become a soulless, immoral country. And this isn't a left-right issue. Full disclosure, I'm registered as a Democrat because I'm a labor guy. My dad was a construction worker. So when I see that article in the Dallas News, oh, my God, we're going to actually have to pay these people a good wage. Well, that's what we should be aspiring for, folks. This is the traditional labor management divide, and I come down on the side of labor. And if you disagree with me, that's cool. We're Americans. We can disagree. We should disagree. That's why we've got a First Amendment that talks about the right for peaceable assemblage. What do you think that's about? Let's have debate. See, on college campuses, they're shutting down debate, safe spaces and, and puppies and, and all that nonsense. And Antifa threatening violence if you have a different viewpoint because they know they can't win a debate. Not because they're not particularly good debaters, and perhaps they're not, but because the facts, the law, common sense, and morality are all working against them. So if they know they can't win the debate, then they shut debate down. That's what they're doing. But if you really believe in America and Americans, if you believe you're your brother's keeper, then we should be happy to employ Americans. Because those Americans are consumers. Those Americans are going to buy houses and cars. Those Americans are going to go on vacation and go to restaurants. Those Americans hopefully won't be on unemployment, won't be relying on safety net programs if they're getting a good-paying job in the construction trades. So now they were wailing in this article, oh, what are we going to do? Now we're going to have to go to the high schools and even the colleges and try to convince those young people to become construction workers. What a thought. My father was a construction worker. He was a tradesman. He used to always puff out his chest a bit with justifiable pride, justifiable pride, and say to people, I'm a plumber by trade. He had a union card. He worked on construction. He didn't do repair work. He worked on construction. He worked on Kennedy International Airport. He worked on the old World's Fair back in the 60s. I got to go to the World's Fair as it was under construction, with all the other kids of all the other construction workers so I could see the World's Fair take shape right before my very eyes. It was magical. I was proud of my father. There were times I went to some of the buildings and even helped him a little bit as a 15-, 16-year-old kid just for the fun of it. There's an apartment house not far from where I live. I drive by this apartment house pretty routinely, and my dad has gone over 50 years. But I remember that summer when he came to work and I used to go to the job on my bicycle less than a mile from my house, and I helped them put in a whole line of toilets in this one uh, apartment that was right over the front entranceway to the six-story building. And when I drive by that apartment house, which is frequently, I can still hear the, in my, my ear the sound the music, I called it, the orchestra, the sounds of construction, all the machinery that was working, all the guys on the job yelling at each other and to each other. It was kind of boisterous. It was kind of exciting. I grew up on those jobs. And that's what I think about when I think about blue-collar, hardworking Americans. And increasingly, those jobs are going away. They're being taken by people who shouldn't even be in the country. And you cannot compare the work done by a tradesman like my dad, a craftsman, and a day laborer who's clueless. work isn't nearly as good it might be dangerous but nobody cares if it's dangerous nobody cares if things collapse because the people are making more money by exploiting cheap labor and ripping off the people who buy the houses that they build for them they're selling garbage and they're making more money selling garbage so in dallas texas they're complaining bitterly oh my god you may have to hire americans well what will they think of next boys and girls you may have to hire an American. Dear God, does it get worse than that? Think of how anti American that sentiment is. Think about Homer Hickam, who wrote the book called The Rock. He grew up in Coldwood, a coal mining town in West Virginia, and he was a couple of years older, or is a couple of years older than I am. had the privilege of a phone conversation with him a number of years ago. His book, The Rocket Boys, became the screenplay for the film. Um, Uh, October skies and October sky was all about this guy's life story. And you find out that he ultimately became a NASA engineer. My dream was to become an aerospace engineer. He lived my dream, but his father was a coal miner and we were on the phone for about a half hour comparing our fathers very similar blue collar is blue collar is blue collar with blue collar values to my father. A handshake was, was a bulletproof contract. If he shook your hand and said, this is the way it is, that was it. And if you found out he made a mistake, he was stuck with the mistake because he gave his word. His word was his bond. That's how I grew up. And today you have the newspapers complaining terribly. My God, we can't get those people from Mexico. We may have to hire Americans. If it doesn't boil your blood, you're a fool. This is disgusting. That's why Pelosi stands there and says that these illegal aliens are the best of the best of the best. Why Mario Cuomo, the governor of New York, says, don't you dare let them build that wall. And by the way, in that newspaper article from Texas, they said that there were lots of Texans who didn't want the wall because they wanted the cheap labor to come across the wall. That's what this is about, folks. Another article in that same newspaper, people may have to mow their lawns because... God forbid, these Mexicans can't come in. Who's going to mow lawns? Well, when I was a kid, we did it. I worked for my neighbors. We all did. That's how we made money during the summer, that we had spending money. If this trend continues, we may actually get American kids to take some of those jobs, to build a resume, build a bank account, small as it will be doing this kind of work, and understand the work ethic. What a novel thought creating an environment that's conducive to the hiring of Americans. What the hell will we think of next? But you see, in this anti-American climate, Pelosi talked about the climate of corruption. Well, she needs to look no further than the mirror if she doesn't break it with her mug. If you want to talk about a climate of corruption, it's corruption when you call out federal agents who are enforcing the laws and putting their lives on the line every single day. It's corruption when you want to get people to violate the law and you aid, abet, encourage and induce them, like that piece of work mayor from Oakland, who I hope they prosecute. I'd love to see her in an orange jumpsuit. This has to stop. But because of this philosophy that's being espoused by the politicians from both sides of the aisle, we wind up with a news report in Breitbart, and I kid you not, I read this, and I, and I flipped, and I absolutely flipped because the news report is that, well, let me, let me pull up the um, title. Forgive me for a moment. My motor is revved. I'm sorry, it wasn't Bright Boy, This was the Washington Times, my era. My motor is running this evening, if you can't tell. Washington Times reported, illegal immigrant charged in Kate Steinle death accuses government of vindictive prosecution. Are you ready for that? This piece of trash, Jose Garcia Zarate. This is the guy, if you remember, in San Francisco, supposedly found a gun lying around. I find them all the time. I don't know about you. It's like when I arrested some illegal aliens. They always had three, four, five, eight social security cards in their wallet. Where did you get these? Oh, I found it lying in the street. I've never found a social security card in the street, but most of the illegals I arrested found their social security cards in the street. Folks, have you ever found a social security card lying in the street, waving at you, saying, here, pick me up. Here I am. Give me a break. But anyway, this dirtbag picks up the gun. The gun goes off. Oops. And he kills Kate Steinle. This piece of trash had been deported at least five times previously. He had drug convictions. This was not a model member of the community or unless you have a twisted idea about what a model looks like so here is the quote from the article according to his attorneys in a filing this week in federal court in san francisco lawyers for jose garcia zarate demanded that the federal government hand over its communications with local law enforcement agencies the san francisco police the district attorney's office and the sheriff's office to let him prove collusion and double jeopardy. Collusion? When the police work with federal law enforcement, now it's collusion. It's as good as the Russian collusion that we're hearing so much about. It's collusion if the police work with immigration. Hold on to your seats, folks. When I was a new agent, I rode in police cars and made arrests side by side with local police. When I was assigned to DEA intelligence, my immediate superior, Uh, at one point was a New York State, a New York City police sergeant. Uh, Another assignment that I had involved a DEA supervisor. I worked very closely with the New York State police, Nassau County police, Suffolk County police. I worked with the police of the National Police of Israel. I worked with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. We worked with Canadian police from Toronto and, and Montreal and Quebec. Federal agents working with the police? Oh my God what is going on they're conspiring yeah we're conspiring against criminals and dirtbags and rapists and murderers and drug dealers and gun runners collusion collusion the organized crime drug enforcement task force i was assigned there for 10 years after i was promoted to senior special agent the task force was a collusion We have a new conspiracy theory, folks. Here it comes. You have law enforcement conspiring against criminals. My God, someone needs to be punished. This is the lunacy that we're listening to. This is the garbage that pours out of these attorneys' mouths. You know, I certainly agree with the notion of a defense attorney. In fact, I helped a defense attorney in a case because I thought there was a miscarriage of justice. And and it it worked out for the folks. I believe that people were improperly accused of knowingly hiring illegal aliens. There was no evidence. It was a terrible case. Terrible case. Usually the hallmarks of are exploitation. The people that were being worked all had fake ID. They were being paid not minimum wage but prevailing wage. They were put up in housing that had physical fitness center and two swimming pools. This was in Hawaii. You don't generally see that where illegal aliens are intentionally hired. I agreed to help them. It was a miscarriage of justice. Everyone is entitled to his or her day in court. That's what our criminal justice system is about. It's the only time I work to help a defense attorney. It was an interesting experience. I'm happy I did it. Under comparable circumstances, I would do it again. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty. When you keep defending dirtbags after a while, you start to think like a dirtbag and you start to smell like a dirtbag. For an attorney or attorneys to accuse local police with colluding with federal officers to arrest criminals is insanity. That's how you know that these people have lost their collective minds. You lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas. And I don't want to insult dogs or fleas in saying that. How in the world is that collusion? Collusion is, you know, the, the, has the aura about it of some heinous crime. They got together and they conspired. We used to have joint sessions all the time at the drug task force. That's why it was called the task force. We had local, city, state police, and we were backed up. By, for example, the Israeli National Police, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, British Customs, we all worked cooperatively. There were times that we staged raids at simultaneous locations across the world, you know, arrests in New York, arrests in California, arrests in Great Britain, arrests in Thailand, all happening simultaneously so that nobody could call anybody else and say, oh, my God, they're coming for us. So we had a coordinated where everybody banged on the doors at exactly the same moment at every location. And sometimes there could have been dozens of locations it took a lot of coordination, oh, collusion. That's what it took. Forget coordination. It took collusion. This is how sick and twisted. And look at the consequences. According to statistics that have been released by the government. The number of assaults, violent attacks Against immigration law enforcement Has more than doubled in the past couple of years Thanks to the likes Of Pelosi Thanks to the likes of the mayor Of Oakland and Governor Jerry Brown And all these other politicians Who portray immigration Agents as being evil If you look at what the 9-11 Commission had to say Routine enforcement of the immigration laws Is critical to prevent terrorist attacks I believe in fact that um, it was Mohammed Atta who was stopped by the police for speeding a day or two before 9-11. At least a couple of them were, were stopped in the weeks before the attacks. None of those terrorists had criminal histories, but most of them were in violation of their immigration status. This is not inconsequential. And so when you have a state saying, oh, these are the crimes, and, and if this person is convicted of this crime, that crime, and the other crime— well, then we'll give them to you, but otherwise we're not going to. That's a lot of nonsense. Um, I'd like to know if those same politicians would agree with disbanding the border patrol and end the inspection of travelers coming to the United States into international airports from overseas. You know, the notion of immigration law enforcement isn't simply you catch them at the border or you don't catch them at all. If some guy robs a bank and flees from the bank, they don't tell police. You either catch him in the bank or forget about it. They chase them. Now here's something interesting: if a guy or a gal robs a bank and they go to another jurisdiction, they, they you know they, they hop in their car and, and they drive five states away. You know they do a bank robbery in New York and, and they run to Ohio. You not think the police are going to arrest them in Ohio. But the thing about the bank robberies, they've got to send them back to New York because that's where the robbery took place. When somebody runs the borders of the United States and they make their way, let's say to New York from, from, uh, you know, they, they make their way to Brooklyn from Brownsville, Texas. They run the border across from Matamoros, Mexico into Brownsville. And they, they make their way to New York city. Guess what? If you're going to prosecute them for illegal reentry, for example, Guess where you prosecute them? And the answer is not Brownsville. You prosecute them wherever you find them. In this case, it will be Brooklyn, the Eastern District of New York. And why is that? Unlawful entry, unlawful reentry, all those crimes are what are known as continuing offenses. You are no less illegal or no less in violation of law if you get further from the border. The guy that gets from the border to New York City is no less illegal than the guy they catch at the border. So this idea that, oh, they're in New York, oh, we're going to shield them, what you're really doing is undermining the U.S. Border Patrol. That encourages more people to run the border when you have sanctuary cities. And what's so interesting is that after 9-11, both President George W. Bush and President Obama both said we will deprive the terrorists sanctuary everywhere in the world really then how about depriving them sanctuary in the united states of america because when you create a municipality or a state and you set forth very clearly we're not going to talk to immigration well one of the big problems for an illegal alien who comes here to be part of a gang or part of a terror cell is the fear That if they're walking along the street and something happens and they get questioned, you know, they're driving a car and they they have an accident, the cop. And by the way, the Supreme Court ruled that it's appropriate to ask about immigration status. If you're a police officer doing routine police work and you encounter someone, whether it's a motor vehicle stop, whatever, not to stop people in the street and say, show me your green card. But you become the target of, of, of a police action, whether because you committed violation of motor vehicle law. You get into a fist fight, you're, you're caught you know, acting suspiciously, or you're at a place where drugs are being sold. Police do have the right to ask about immigration status. They need to fully identify you. They need to fully identify you for officer safety, community safety, and, and because maybe the cop has to decide, do I give this guy a summon, or do I simply handcuff him? If the person appears to be likely to abscond, because that cop is basically doing a bail hearing on the street, then he should take that person into custody or she should take that person into custody because that person has a problem with flight risk. And in fact, I used to argue bail for many of the prosecutors I worked with and nobody ever got bail because immigration is a critical element in bail determination because of risk of flight. That's what it's all about. So understand how critical all this is. And there's another factor that nobody ever talks about where immigration law enforcement is concerned, but I'll talk about it. And some of the guys that now work for immigration and gals uh, are clueless because they don't have the institutional memory that I have. I started with the INS in 1971. I became an agent in 1975. And we routinely, and I'll use the word because it's ridiculous, colluded with New York City police. And how did we collude with the New York City Police Department? we would go out and raid houses of prostitution with them. We would raid the Chinese gambling houses in Chinatown. And what we found were many of the customers were illegal aliens, especially the houses of prostitution. Think about it. You're dealing with a population of young men. They're in their 20s. They've left their girlfriends and their wives back in the home country. It's Friday night. They want a little bit of companionship and something else, (laughs) Companionship plus, okay? And where do they go? They go go to a house of prostitution. Some of the girls working in the houses were trafficking victims. Not all. Some were. Some weren't. So how do you shut down a house of prostitution? Well, you arrest the girls. You arrest the clientele. What we did when we would work with the cops is these people were illegal.